Hello everyone and welcome to the Thriving Dry Eye Podcast. I am your host, Laura. I suffered a chemical eye injury resulting in dry eye and I created this platform to give hope to those with dry eye. I will talk to amazing people who will tell their dry eye stories and spotlight health professionals who will promote wellness of the mind and body. This podcast is for you to give hope to those with dry eye. As a disclaimer, this podcast contains general information about dry eye and other medical conditions and is for educational purposes and inspiration only. Thriving Dry Eye LLC is not responsible or liable for the accuracy of information contained in this podcast. The information contained in this episode is the personal views of the hosts and guests respectively. This podcast is not meant to replace the advice of your healthcare provider and is not intended to prescribe, prevent, treat, or diagnose disease. Listeners acknowledge that the information contained does not constitute professional advice from the host or guest speaker. By listening to this podcast, you assume all risks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thriving Dry Eye Podcast. I am here today with Dr. Winner, also known as Trina. Hi, Trina. How you doing? Good. How are you? I am really good. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You are welcome. My pleasure. I love it's fun just talking with other healthcare professionals about these kind of topics. Great. So Trina is a doctor of physical therapy with specialty in pelvic health therapy, birth with spirit doula, certified lactation counselor, craniosacral therapist, and certified women's health functional nutrition. So the reason that I wanted Trina to come on today was because she puts out some really good information about healing your body from the inside out. And when we think about dry eye disease, a lot of times we're treating the symptoms. And even sometimes when we talk about the root cause of dry eye, we're still just specifically talking about the eye itself. And so when we really get down to the root cause of a disease or illness, we're really talking about deep diving inside the body, not just where things are happening, but deep down in places that we cannot see or what we normally think about. So I'm really excited to have you here today because I think that all of the things that you teach and the things that I see on Facebook and your posts, I think will resonate with our listeners. Very good. Yes, I love the root cause approach and looking deeper into the body and and more than just what your symptoms are. It can tell a lot about what's going on for sure. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? 
Yeah. So I, like she said, I'm a physical therapist and I went to college for about six and a half years to earn my doctorate at the University of Finley and really wanted to be in outpatient orthopedics and sports medicine. Did that for many years, um, number of years and quickly uh, kind of got burnt out. Um, I think it was just, uh, there's multiple factors. And then once I got pregnant with my first kid, um, I have four little little children, and I realized that there was a lack of care for pregnancy, postpartum, the pelvic floor, women's health. So then I decided to open that door into the pelvic health world. And that really opened my eyes into just what's going on in our bodies. And I've always had a passion for just general healthy lifestyle, nutrition. I contemplated going back to school, but I ended up just going through a functional nutrition, functional medicine uh, coach or course, and it was primarily focused on women's health. I've always had kind of a passion for fertility, and then going through a lot of the courses that I've been through in regards to pelvic health and the functional nutrition stuff, I knew that there was a role that we could play as a pelvic health therapist in the fertility world and looking at hormones there's a lot of root cause issues there and there's a lot of unexplained infertility cases out there that just, it's really close and near and dear to my heart. And what I'm finding with my clients is, you know, when we peel back the onion layers, we listen to God, we listen to what our bodies are telling us and just think about God's unique design. Then it just makes sense when we're looking for root cause instead of, you know, giving people band-aids as well. And so Right now, um, mostly my specialty is in functional nutrition and looking at the root cause approach to people with uh, infertility, menstrual health issues. uh, And then I also love the birth world and the birth work and just really encouraging people to listen to their bodies and just having them tune into like we are, we have the power as women and we just are able to birth babies the way God designed. And just how the interventions in the birth world can really impact not only our own health as a female on all different levels, but also our babies. And they're our future generation. And we want those babies healthy to help change the world. And then, you know, just what where we're at in this birth world is, you know, then that leads into menopause. So it's just a whole, I opened the pelvic health door and I was like, whoa, blown away about all the cool things that we can help people with and how all is just so integrated and how the body's connected and it's just absolutely amazing. And so that's kind of where I am and I love it. And I feel like I'm not burnt out anymore as a physical therapist. Um, I'm a private practice owner of a few years now, and that was been fun to open my own practice. It's kind of a leap of faith. My husband is also a PT and we quit our full-time jobs with three little kids to open a business and then had a fourth one. So most people call us crazy, but we're making it work. And we're a lot of times flying by the seat of our pants, just learning the business role. And it's been doing really well. That's so wonderful. And truly, one of the reasons that I had you come on here was kind of a little selfish. So it's interesting because (laughs) I really hadn't noticed it at the time. But when I was pregnant with my daughter, I did not experience 
my dry eye at all. I was taking consistently my fish oil and then I started missing days and then I started realizing this really is is not an issue for me. And so I kind of got into a routine of not taking my fish oil, not doing some of the things that I was doing before in order to keep my eyes healed essentially. But again, I didn't realize it until after my daughter was born. So she was born and I don't know, a month or two in, I would say, I started waking up with my really dry eye again. And I was just wondering, like, what what is the deal here? And so I realized at that point that there must be something with hormones or something that's going on when I was pregnant that was supporting my eyes. And now, uh, because I'm postpartum, hormones and things are different, and it could be something else. I just assume it's hormones. So that's why I wanted to talk to you initially to find out some more information for myself because you know, more and more people are having dry eye at a younger age. And, you know, some people I've talked to are in their 20s, 30s, you know, in those childbearing years. And I feel like this is some really good information to put out there for those individuals specifically, or, you know, other people who can provide additional information to friends or family. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that you talked, you made that connection between being pregnant and not pregnant and your dry eyes because, and you know, when you talk to me about doing this with the dry eyes, I'm like, dry eyes? Like, I know nothing about dry eyes. Like, what do I have to contribute to this? Like, at first I was like, kind of like, what? I I'm, I'm just a little confused here. But as I just kind of really thought, sat with that and thought about it, I'm like, you know, that's a huge piece of our puzzle. You know, in the dental world, we talk a lot about our oral health and how important that is to our body. And, you know, the eyes are no different. And as I was just doing a little bit of research to, to prepare and just kind of just wrapping my head around, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it does. It is so important. And as I, I talk to people now, I'm asking about these things because you've made me a little more aware. And I'm like, wow, it is a common thing that can happen. And you know, our eyes are so important and you they can really do tell a lot about your health. And, um, you know, if you have symptoms of dry eyes, you know, obviously there's different things that you can do with medications and drops and, and those kinds of things. But sometimes it can be a sign that you have something else going on in your body that maybe needs attention. And when you're talking about the hormones, that can play a key piece because as women get to the menopausal age, because that's when a lot of people, you know, get a lot of symptoms. We think about like hot flashes and moodiness and, and night sweats and vaginal dryness. But now research is finding that about 60% of menopausal women have dry eyes. And it's just a sign of some other imbalances that are going on in the body. And it also can affect our eyes too. So, you know, it's just something to think about that we can start looking upstream for the actual root causes, and then we can have a better impact on healing those eyes. You know, can we cure and heal everything? Not necessarily, but there are a lot of really good things that we can do for our, for our body to help keep that at bay as well. So during that menopausal stage, because I... I'm not there. I know nothing about it. What are the changes that are happening for women? So 
when we get into the menopausal stage and I'm not quite there yet and I'm still learning because more and more women are coming to me from that perimenopause menopause stage. And so I, I have to do more digging and more learning. And, but what happens is our hormones start to decrease and we kind of think of a roller coaster as well. So, you know, as we, you know, get towards childbearing hormones go up and they fluctuate through pregnancy and postpartum and in between pregnancies, but then they take, take kind of like a general little decline as we approach menopause. And, and, and that can, the perimenopause, menopause stage can last, you know, from a few years to, you know, more than a handful of years and every, everybody's different. And during menopause, the estrogen and your progesterone, your t- testosterone, like those, those are the main hormones, but we have, they, they, play a role in the lubrication of our eyes. So you can kind of think about like, okay, if they, if these hormones help play, play a role in the lubrication of our eyes, then it would make sense that as we approach those menopause stages, as our hormones start to decrease, that dry eyes can result from a deficiency in the estrogen, progesterone, or testosterone. And, you know, when your eyes are dry for a long period of time, and then you can start experiencing inflammation, and then that cascades into an immune response, and making those eyes a little more red and itchy and swollen. And, you know, those symptoms go along with other menopause signs of drying. You know, again, like your joint, the joints usually start hurting and we have more vaginal dryness. You know, those, those things happen in that stage. And there are things that we can do, I can do, um, or any pelvic PT if they have the training in that menopausal stage to help with symptoms that we have. So not only can bioidentical hormone replacement therapy can be helpful, but, you know, even going deeper than that and really supporting our body from a nutritional perspective and, you know, rest and sleep and, you know, decreasing stress and really just ultimately decreasing inflammation in our body. And that can definitely really help as well. So it's interesting that you talk about inflammation because that was something that was really important for my journey. Um, when I met with my functional medicine doctor and we were looking at the food that I was eating and my diet, which at the time was a you know traditional standard American diet, you know she provided some education that we need to reduce systemic inflammation and gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm those are kind of big ones that can be inflammatory for people. And I wasn't having symptoms of, you know, what I would consider like celiac or even a gluten allergy. Like I was fine. you like, so, but in order to reduce systemic inflammation, I did cut those things out. And it was really interesting because I was starting to have joint pain. Like I would wake up in the morning and my knees hurt. And in particular, my right pinky finger was stiff. And I, you know, I was noticing these things and I was like, it was, it would just happen in the morning. I would move around. It would work itself out. But it was still like, what is going on? And so there were little things that were happening that my body was telling me that something was wrong. There was something off. And Mm -hmm. uh, looking back at it now, like those are warning signs that, you know, something is happening. And there's some disease processes that are going on, but you don't know. And so 
the first thing that changed was when I eliminated the gluten and dairy was that I was not waking up with joint pain anymore. And that was wild to me. Like, this is amazing. And at the beginning stage, there were a couple times where I cheated and, you know, really wanting some of the food that I was eating before. And the next morning I'd wake up and in particular, my right pinky finger was stiff. And it was wild mm. to me to think that the food that I was putting into my body was causing these other symptoms to happen. And so I thought, you know, I had the kind of some quite immediate response to eliminating that. Maybe not immediate. It was about a month. You know, she said, give it a month or two and you'll start noticing some changes. And, and truly it did happen. And so when those cheat times happened, it was so shocking to me how quickly that inflammatory response was happening and causing pain and stiffness, uh, particularly in my right pinky. And so I... I had that experience to say, okay, if that was affecting me in this part of my body, this inflammation that is there that I don't know, that I don't see, let's keep reducing that and work toward healing my eyes. And when I talked to people and they'd say, why, you know, why, why are you, why, why did you eliminate gluten? Cause that was a big one. And I said, you know, I'm reducing systemic inflammation in my body. And that was kind of difficult for people to understand because the what I found out was, you know, the the wheat is sprayed so heavily with glyphosate and that chemical is so inflammatory to our body. You are incredibly on point there because you know, many people feel the positive effects from going gluten and dairy free. And usually when I'm working with clients and learning through the nutrition program um, that I've been through and, and looking at from a functional approach, a lot of times, you know, in the conventional world, those things get dismissed unless you have a true known tested allergy, but it can, and every single person's different. I know some people that go gluten and dairy free, and it doesn't affect them very much. And there's times where we say like, we're fine. Like we feel fine. But when we do wake up with some of those aches and pains, we just think we're getting old and we have arthritis and there's nothing we can do about it. But that's an inflammatory condition. And I've actually had a couple of clients, you know, as just, you know, as a physical therapist, you work with all kinds of people that have a lot of chronic pain, arthritis, things like that. And, you know, I have an anti-inflammatory approach um, handout that I will give people and, I had one person just follow it. And within two weeks, her pain was gone. She's lost, she lost inches, lost weight, and she wasn't even trying to. And she goes, I feel so much more energy and I am sleeping better. And so when those things happen, we're like, wow. And it only took two weeks to start noticing symptoms. And when we're eating a really good, healthy diet and whole foods, you know, the standard American diet, it's, it's SAD, it's sad, right? And so it really does contribute to a lot of the chronic issues that we're seeing. 
And I'm usually not one to eliminate food groups because then we can really get into nutritional deficiencies. So I don't really usually recommend people to go dairy, gluten-free or anything like that, unless we, you know, feel like it's a culprit or it's a trial, you know, we want to try that, but we want to make sure we know that we're getting nutrients from other foods too, because, you know, we're not always going to feel better and get to that root cause if we're getting in deficiencies with nutrients. But you're right with the whole glyphosate. I mean, there's so much information out there and you can go down a rabbit hole that I don't know that gluten's necessarily the issue. I think it's the chemicals sprayed on the wheat in the fields that are really causing a lot of havoc in our bodies. And again, it affects every single person's different. Fortunately, locally to me, we have somebody called Our Father's Foods. They do crushed wheat and they get their wheat from elsewhere that is not sprayed and they crush their wheat. <clears throat> So it's a totally different process than your traditional flours and wheat products. And it's not gluten-free, but a lot of people can tolerate it better. And it's full of a lot of good nutrients because they're not broken down and eliminated through the chemical processing when you're making traditional flours. And a lot of people have seen a lot of healing from that as well. But really calming down that since systemic inflammation is going to help with hormones. You know, back to the hormones is people think, oh, it's because our, my hormones are imbalanced. So let's take something to balance the hormones. So let's take a, you know, get on some hormone replacement therapy or here's some progesterone or, you know, here's some testosterone, whatever it may be. But we really need to dial back and think about why are our hormones imbalanced? And it really, you know, if you keep peeling back onion layers, like we really look to the root cause of just like our mitochondrial health, the inflammation in our body, and we're really nurturing those with just really good whole food nutrition. And the key is variety. You know, you could be eating fruits and vegetables, you know, every day, all day, but are you getting the seven to 13 servings that they're recommending? You know, and that's just for the general person. When you become more active and an athlete, you know, you are even during pregnancy when you're trying to nourish not only yourself, but a, a human being growing inside of you or, and then even postpartum, you need way more than that. And who eats that many servings every day? Not a lot of people. And so and we want the variety. The variety is key. So, you know, eating strawberries, carrots, and celery every single day. Well, that's awesome. We need the variety and the colors and, you know, trying to stay away from all the processed foods and the packaged foods. And what I find when people go gluten-free is then they resort to all the processed gluten-free foods that they think are healthy. And that actually contributes to a lot of inflammation and the seed oils that are in everything now. So, you know, again, that whole food is so important. It's a hard to wrap our heads around. It's sometimes difficult shopping, especially when you live in the middle of nowhere, like I do. And the only grocery stores are Kroger and Aldi, but they really do have great options. We just have to keep our mind open, our eyes open, and, you know, really working to balance our hormones, you know, the endocrine support to help produce healthy levels of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, but it's more than that. It's your blood sugar levels, making sure you're eating balanced meals, less sugar, more whole grains, fewer processed foods, no naked carbs, like really balancing the blood sugar because that plays a role also in our eye health too. What I find is there's so many different supplements out there and like this, this supplements for eye health, that supplements for eye health, but you know, if we're eating a really good whole food nutrition and taking a really good quality omega supplement, um, omega threes, you know, get a lot of the, you know, people know a lot about omega threes, but we really need the balance of all of the omegas because it works in synergy. So to take things in isolation and just take an omega three supplement 
your body may not utilize that like it's supposed to. So we want things in synergy. So taking a good blend of the omegas is key. So your omega-3 is obviously great for eye health um, and other things in brain development, but we have your omega-5s, omega-6s, 7s, and 9s. And we want that really good blend of omegas as well. I'm sure you've come across that in your journey to working with a functional provider. I'm sure that was one of the recommendations for you to, to look at. Um, but, you know, really just kind of going back to the basics, what does God give us? What are, what is it designed to be in our body? What is our bodies going to do with that? Um, and we can really make some really good changes and notice pretty amazing, you know, I shouldn't say instant results, but pretty quick results. We should notice some good things within a couple, the first couple weeks. And you're just going to continue on that healing journey and notice a lot of things. And what I find is, you know, so many people just, you know, in this day and age really just want to focus on losing weight. But if we really focus on our underlying health and, and why are we having trouble losing weight and really looking at, you know, the bigger picture and looking deeper into the root cause and you work from healing from the inside out, you're going to feel better overall. You're going to be happier, more joyful, more have expressed more gratitude. And then you're going to be sleeping better, which is going to help your healing and your moods. And then eventually, you know, the outer appearance just is just feels better and looks better. And we're starting to move a little bit more. And for me, like I, that's the kind of life that I want to live and not just as superficial. And I'm still suffering on the inside. For sure. One story that came to mind when you were talking, when I first started, the substitute was to buy all of the gluten-free things of everything that I was eating. And you're right. It's just crap. I mean, there's just so much crap out there and it doesn't make you feel better. So mm -hmm. I made that change too, going from more processed things to the whole foods. I mean, I remember one time I went to Meyer, I think the day or two before Thanksgiving and you know, with how things were going on in the world, it was really hard to find things on the shelves. And I stopped and talked to someone uh, who I knew and she's like, I can't find anything. You know, we were in the produce. She's like, I can't find anything that I need for Thanksgiving. And it was funny to me because my cart was full of vegetables and fruit. And I went like, I found everything that I needed to because I made everything. Like, instead of buying the mashed potatoes from a box, I made my own mashed potatoes. Like mm -hmm. we had, I bought a turkey, all the vegetables. We made some salads, some fruit dishes. Like I got everything I needed because it was there. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of funny to me. And conversely, like this summer, we, we live semi close to Cedar Point, which is a roller coaster amusement park. And we bought some meal plans. So when we go, you know, you get there and you eat and you wait four hours, you can eat again. And the cost for the, the summer is really good. You're getting a couple meals. And so we do that once a week. And the stuff that I eat there, it's all gluten-free, but it's, you know, some of it's still fried. Thankfully, they have some a, a lot better options of like barbecue and things like that. But man, I have really noticed a difference with my eyes. And you mentioned those seed oils. And I have changed all of my oils to just olive oil for, you know, kind of cold, um, 
you know, salads, things like that. And then if I'm going to heat things, I'll do avocado oil myself, but I know you can do coconut oil or ghee as options Mm -hmm. for frying or cooking. But yeah, can you Mm -hmm. go into a little detail about the seed oils? Because I was working on another project and I had found someone who um, was talking about cooking food and kind of the chemistry of food. And she's got this huge following. And one of the things that she said was the seed oil issue is just baloney. It's straight up baloney. And I was just kind of like, okay, okay. Uh, not going to follow this chick. But can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that is something that is is really important to change if you can. I mean, that's a, it truly mm-hmm. is a quick switch out. You know, I just threw away the canola oil and the vegetable oil. And then when you go next time, you just buy olive mm-hmm. oil or something else. You know, it really was the easiest change that you could make. Right. Yeah. And it's funny you say that, that you're like, I'm just going to unfollow this chick because there's a lot of noise out there. There's so much noise um, on social media, on, you know, Instagram. I'm not even on TikTok and all those other things. I don't, I'm not, I'm not familiar with, but you know, I, as a healthcare professional have to watch that too. Cause I'm like, wow, like, you know, I'm all about cultured foods as well. Like, you know, your fermented foods, things like that. And it, and it's, can be really healing for a lot of people. There are a certain population that shouldn't intake those because um, it could exacerbate some of their their health conditions. But you know, there are a lot of things out there that like that's not true, or you know, that's just a bunch of baloney things like that. But you know, sometimes I just kind of have to sit with that and just really have a filter on and really just feel like, okay, is what they're saying makes sense or not? And what do I feel about that? And, you know, we really are our own experts in our own body. And what works for one doesn't always work for the next. And so, you know, the seed oils are can be pretty inflammatory. And so, like, we go through these fads over the, you know, the last, you know, however many years, centuries. And we went through the, the stage of, like, no fat and fat-free everything. And so that's kind of, you know, when you have your vegetable oils, your canola oil, all these things are supposed to be more heart healthy and, you know, all of those things. But you know, if you have to kind of look at this, the trends and the statistics, because, you know, as we're having trends of different things, and it's not just seed oils, it's other things in our, in our environment as well. But when you see these trends and these upticks of these recommendations, what are you seeing in the research eventually then from, um, you know, not just right away, but years from there, you know, are we seeing more diabetics? Are we seeing more cancers? Are we seeing more children with different chronic diseases? Are we seeing more cases of, you know, arthritis or whatever it may be? So you have to kind of look at those trends as well. And, you know, the olive oil, the avocado oil, coconut oil, the ghee, all of those things are wonderful. Like you said, it's an easy switch. That's one of the first things I tell people. Get that stuff out, the seed oils out of your house and switch to this stuff with the good quality fats um, because fat is a hormone and we need those good quality things because, you know, when we're looking at a lot of low calorie, fat free, low fat things, what are they putting into that to make it still tastes good. Um, and that's a little scary because it's a lot of the artificial things and the preservatives and the sweeteners and those kinds of things that really can wreak havoc in our body. Unfortunately, we don't always see the the immediate effects. So people don't 
put those two and two together. And it's worth seeing that years later. What we do is with our children and into the teenage years, like, oh, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. And all of a sudden they're battling years of infertility or they develop diabetes or they end up with maybe a cancer or recurrent sickness or headaches all the time. Or people go into menopause. Like, why is my menopause like crazy? It's years and years of different small things that can add up. Again, you know, back to the seed oils, like that's just a simple switch that we can make and, you know, see if that makes a difference because the seed oils, it's so hard to avoid them in all of the other foods. So if you consume them here and there, like you want to watch your crackers and, you know, it's a big thing, but all of the granola bars, like all of those things have that stuff in it. And the front label marketing is, is wonderful in the fact that it really gets you to buy it. But if you switch it around, it's like, oh, wow, look at all of these ingredients, right? And so, you know, it's so hard to avoid those things day to day because we live in this fast paced society and it's just easy for grab and go. And it's overwhelming to go to the grocery store um, anymore to try to find healthy things. But if we can swap those things in our house and, and primarily what we're eating in our house, that in itself can make a huge change. You know, we don't, we can't avoid everything, you know, because that would be that would probably cause too much stress on our bodies, which is going to harm us more than consuming those, those products. But we want to try and, and, and eliminate as much as possible. And the biggest thing is just at our home, especially when we're cooking a lot at home. And those are just really easy swaps. And you talk about the grocery store. I'm like, I, I like grocery shopping usually, but I find it a challenge. You know, I'm like, I want to challenge myself. Like how many colors can I put in my grocery cart? And I ask my kid when I take my kids, Let's see how many colors we can get in the grocery cart. And I don't even go down the middle aisles because I'm not battling my kids. I want that. I want this. I want this. And then we have a meltdown. I just avoid those aisles because I don't want to deal with it. I'm also the gatekeeper of my house. So like, you know, that's what they talk about the moms or, you know, being the gatekeeper of the house uh, with children. It's like, I do the grocery shopping. So I'm not buying this stuff because I don't want it in my house because I don't want to have that battle of you can have it now, but you can't have it now, you know, so I just, I find it a challenge. And the one day I was shopping at Aldi's and the, the cashier goes, this is the healthiest grocery cart I've ever seen. And I'm like, oh, like, I'm proud of that. Right. Like it was just so fun yeah, to you're try like, to find a variety you. of things and like, oh yeah. And like jicama, like finding new vegetables, like just be creative. Like somebody mentioned jicama being a really great prebiotic. I'm like, what's jicama? Never heard of this before. Where do you buy that? Oh, Kroger. Oh, okay. So I go and find it. And then I'm looking online and I actually found a book at the library. Um, your library is a wonderful resource, by the way, on all different vegetables, like what to look for, how to know when they're ripe, different ways to cook it. And jicama is so good. I've made it several different ways. And like, it's just trial and error and just being creative. And I love just working in the kitchen. I'm not an expert by any means in the kitchen. I still make, you know, mac and cheese every once in a while and frozen pizzas for the kids, you know, trying to buy the healthier version. But, you know, sometimes it's just fun just throwing things together and being creative. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for those out there that are full on standard American diet, any little change that you can make truly starts making mm -hmm. that difference and gets that ball rolling. So, you know, if you if you go to the store and you notice that you don't have any produce in there or very little, grab a couple more, you know, add those into your food when you're cooking dinner or if you don't normally throw in an apple for your lunch, just add that in and eat it. You don't have to make all of these changes 
all in one day. It's just not going to happen. There's so many things in our environment, in what we're putting into our body that that you can change. And, you know, over time you can keep going and going and going with that. But any little bit that you can just make that switch, it's going to make a difference. Absolutely. And just again, one small change, whether it is drinking more water, trying to get to bed earlier at night, or hmm, this week I'm going to try a new vegetable or, you know, anything, any, any small little change. And, and, you know, I hear a lot of resistance, like, well, what about the rest of my family? It's like, well, then sit down and have the conversation with them of why you want to make those changes and why it's good for them too. Because when we eat better, we feel better. When we feel better, we're happier. And when we're happier, I think we have less meltdowns in our house and less, you know, stress in our house and everybody's just happier. Right. And, you know, that in itself is so, so important as well. And it's almost like it's called like habit stacking. So like this week, like choose one small thing you can do um, and start small, you know, that way you and celebrate that success. And then the next week, add another habit. And then, you know, and writing those things down and there's no wrong place to start. So you have to do what works for you. And, you know, that's so important. And, you know, we, again, we're talking a lot about eyes and and inflammation, but, you know, as a pelvic health therapist, this stuff impacts so greatly more than what people realize. And you're probably not going to hear it from your general practitioner, your OBGYN, those and family doctor, because they just don't know those connections. But, you know, just by eating a, a more whole food diet, adding in some fermented foods, proper hydration, you're going to have less incontinence, less constipation, a happier pelvic floor, less pain with intercourse, all of those things, because there's, you know, a lot of those things impact it in, in a very integrative way. And, you know, there might not be a direct correlation, but there's a correlation somewhere. And, it's so common for women and even men to deal with a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction in regards to just anything or even just period health issues. But a lot of this stuff can not only affect our eyes and our oral health and our gut health, and but also our pelvic health or hormones, everything. And our mental health, our brain health, you know, there's a lot of anxiety and depression, especially if we're not feeling great. We're waking up every morning feeling kind of groggy or our joints hurt you know, that can fuel into people's depression and anxiety as well. And even just health anxiety of like worrying about if I'm going to get cancer or, you know, worrying about like eating the best foods, you know, just one small step at a time is, is good. And there's so many resources out there and just having that filter and just really sitting with that information thinking like, does this make sense for me to do this? And really, what is your why? When you have a strong enough why, the how to will come. And when you have that personal connection to why you want to feel better and what's that deeper underlying um, thing you want to address, it's going to make it a lot easier to change these lifestyles. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people, especially in what we call the dry hell, they just want to get out of it so badly. And the why of feeling better and healing yourself. Because, you know, we talk about dry eye and not being able to, it's not curable. You know, people say you, you're going to have this forever and you may, but there's so much healing that can be done. And it's 
really, I want to tell this story because mm-hmm. I think it's it's important for everyone to hear. But and you had kind of mentioned this before, um, but when you change your mindset on being sick or ill, your body is going to continue to stay in that state. So when you change and shift to healing and being better, your body is going to shift that way too. So when before mm-hmm. I started this podcast, I had been in a state of feeling healed. And I'm going to say that. I know that's strong, but healed, that it was done. And then when I started this podcast to help others, guess what happened? My eyes started getting bad again. And I was questioning that, did I really have that ability to heal myself? But it's possible. And so I've had to make that shift again to I'm healing myself. And the days that I wake up saying that I'm healing myself, I really have very minimal dry eye symptoms. Now, if I wake up and I'm Mm -hmm. thinking or stressing about the podcast and I got to put something out and we just talked about this and like, well, they talked about that modality. I, I probably should look into that and get that going. My eyes start getting bad again. And so I like that you say like really sitting with some of these feelings yourself, going inward and and really really relying on God or whoever else that you have, um, the bigger, the universe, the spirit, anything that you do have the ability through them for healing and to rely on them for that. Yes. That's so beautiful. I like that a lot. And your mindset's everything one step at a time. And I had somebody encourage you one time, like, just go home and sit in the rocking chair with your baby, no phone, no books, and just sit there in the silence. And, you know, just really being encouraged to sit there in the silence and that rest, you know, nobody knows how to just sit still and be quiet and rest. And it's a very difficult thing for me because I'm so much like productivity, productivity, we got to get done. We can't sit down. Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I used to in college have the mentality of like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like, I'm just going to keep working, you know? And, and I'm like, I just undervalued the quality of good quality sleep but also the power of sleep that has on us to heal our bodies. But also too, you know, thinking about, you know, for God to, to help us, you know, the ultimate healer. And, you know, he, he puts us through these sufferings too, for a reason. And it's very hard to swallow and hard and difficult to hear that sometimes, but, you know, there's reasons for everything and we may not know it now, but like you going through this dry eyes, you know, it's like, you know, God knew that you were going to put this podcast together and reach out and help other people and probably open a lot of people's eyes, you know, and and you telling your little story here made me realize like, oh my gosh, like my grandma was in her nineties living by herself before she passed away. And she always said, if I lose my eyesight or lose my mind, I'm ready to go because she always just wanted to have that good mindset, but also the eyes to just to see the beauty around us. And, you know, when we can't see that beauty around us, like, wow, like, you know, when you think of people that can't see, I'm like, wow, like they're missing out on a lot. 
but they pick up with it for that in other ways as well. And just so imp- how important it is just to have that good mindset and being thankful. Um, but then obviously leaning into, you know, God and prayer and, and whatever else you decide to do to help you on your journey. And don't forget about the power of, you know, that healing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I want just a little clarification because again, I'm being selfish right now. So let's go back to pregnancy. So while I was pregnant, like I said, my eyes were really, really good. And can you, do you have an idea why that may have been? Well, as we talked about before, when you asked about menopause and how our hormones, I mentioned our hormones can help with lubrication. Um, and our hormones tend to have some fluctuations and we have increase in hormones. Obviously our estrogen levels increase to get pregnant during pregnancy. Our progesterone levels are higher as well. Um, and, and that's, those aren't our only hormones. We have a lot of other hormones that play a role too. A lot of times people do feel better with some of their things when they're pregnant. Um, but there are some people who do feel more depleted as well. Like, you know, I do have a little more achiness. I do have you know, whatever it may be. Um, and it really comes down to our hormones. So have really supporting your body preconception and through pregnancy, a lot of people feel really good during pregnancy. Um, and that's when you know, people feel like, Oh my gosh, you're glowing. You know, you feel, have that glow about you. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, deep down part of the, the hormones as well. And, you know, when people don't feel good during pregnancy, they're dreading pregnancy, they feel miserable then I question like, are we, are you really nourishing your body? Because we should feel good during pregnancy. We should feel overall pretty good to prepare for, you know, delivery and postpartum. So, you know, again, those hormones are the lubrication. So in pregnancy, those hormones go up. Right. And so that's probably why those eyes felt better. And, you know, just probably thinking back to like your lifestyle, you know, did your lifestyle change a little bit? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. I got to be healthy now. Right. Or I got to, I got to make sure I take all my supplements, you know, or prenatal or whatever it may be, or you maybe drink more water because you knew that needed to happen. You know, just kind of thinking those shifts, like, you know, those mindset shifts, like, oh, now I'm pregnant. You know, do I, I need, I need to be a little bit better, those kinds of things. So even just kind of cluing into some of those shifts, maybe that you've experienced with being pregnant as well. Even people that have like, say, endometriosis or just different things like that, they tend to feel better when they're pregnant as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, it's really no different. It's, it's a lot, it's, you know, due to some of the hormone fluctuations that we see. Yeah. Those are some really good points. I'm like, as you were talking, I was like, bringing myself back. And yeah, I was eating a lot better and more food, but I was getting really good sleep. And so, you know, postpartum, your sleep is just junk. So yeah, definitely the sleep, the stress, I mean, less, typically Mm -hmm. less stress when you're Mm -hmm. pregnant immediately after lots of stress. So yeah. And still, you know, Mm-hmm. I'm still nursing yeah. so we're a year after. So, you know, but some days I realize while I'm working, man, I really didn't eat as much as what I need to. And so I feel like sometimes as women, mm-hmm. we we are in this state of not eating enough and and, and especially yeah. not enough of the good things. And so, 
yeah, when I was pregnant, I was eating a full-on breakfast, a full-on lunch, and dinner as well. And so, yeah, some days I feel like I skimp on those. And it's really interesting because initially when I came into this thinking, okay, we're going to focus on this area, this root cause. But yeah, if you really think about it, that root cause comes back to what are you putting into your body? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see that a lot with people. They're just, a lot of people are under eating and whether that is a purposeful thing or just like, I'm a mom of four kids. It's busy. It's three o'clock. I haven't ate a darn thing today. No wonder I'm grumpy and grouchy at my kids. You know, it's not the kids' fault. It's my own fault. And, you know, going through pregnancy and birth really depletes our body. And we really, really have to be conscious and intentional about really nourishing our bodies postpartum with good whole foods and cultured foods to restore our gut and also minerals. We're so mineral deficient in today's world because just the quality of our water and soil, but we're not eating the foods that we're supposed to be eating postpartum, which then can fuel into a lot of depletion. And then that can get worse with subsequent pregnancies as well. And so when we, you know, go into the next pregnancy depleted and then the next pregnancy depleted, and we're not really fully re-nourishing our bodies, then that can take, that can have like a cascade effect and we might feel great right away. But then all of a sudden, like, four years postpartum, I get hit like a brick wall. I don't know what happened. Like it probably was due to the several years of not really replenishing our body with key nutrients and minerals. Um, and you know, I find a lot of people just feel better when they eat more protein, they get more fats in their diet, they eat adequate carbs and, and just eating enough food is so, so important we're kind of like our society is like that different. Like some people are really overfed, um, but and many people are really underfed. Like that is, you know, and whether that's intentional or not, you know, it doesn't matter, but we really have to focus on that good nourishment as well. Postpartum. I'm going to get to the last question here and wrap this up, but what is one actionable step that our listeners can start implementing right now to improve their dry eye? I would say I like to go for the lowest hanging fruit of drinking enough water with adding minerals in them, you know, just really hydrating our body with good, adequate minerals. It's easy step. Water typically is free, I guess, depending on how you get your water source and just adding some trace minerals in it, whether it's lemon, a little bit of high quality sea salt, or there are many quality mineral powders you can add in there, but that in itself can be super, super powerful and a pretty easy thing to add into your lifestyle. All right. Let's talk about that a little bit because I, I do agree that that <laughs> is super important and we didn't talk about it. So let's go into a little bit of detail with okay. that okay. because yeah. that is one of the first changes that I made. And I, I don't want to put pressure on anybody, but you know there is a lot of things in our water that we are not necessarily aware of. So getting a quality filter can be really important. And then if you can't, mm -hmm. then it is what it is for now. And that's fine. You need more water. You need more hydration. But yes, adding in trace minerals 
is so, so important. And days where I feel super sluggish, those are the days that I didn't have the water with lemon and my mineral salt and my trace minerals added because I I just do a whole bunch because I need it. But do you have any more to say about that? I definitely want to comment, you know, we want really good water supply. And if you can get your water tested, you know, fantastic. And there's a lot of really good quality water filters out there, but we definitely want quality water for sure. But we really need the minerals. We need the sodium, the potassium, magnesium, all those things to unlock our cells so we're properly hydrating. So you can drink a gallon of water a day. I actually had a couple of clients who were like, I'm drinking a ton of water. And so when I had them keep track, I'm like, wow, you are drinking a lot of water. You might be drinking almost too much, but they still were dehydrated. And that's because we don't have, if you go into all the chemistry, the sciencey things that but you need the, the sodium potassium to unlock those cells. So we actually get that proper hydration. And so that can really help just us feel more energized, better skin, that your eyesight can be, you know, be a little more clear. And also that's really good for our bladder and our pelvic health. And it helps with constipation as well, because we're properly hydrated. Like I said, you know, it's simple. We could do lemon and a really good quality sea salt, which is, it can be hard to find, but you want a sea salt that is, there's no contaminants in it. There are lots and lots of trace minerals in it. Or you can, if you need some flavor, you know, a lot, some brands that I really like is called, um, it's the Redmond sea salt brand. It's called Relight or Elements. Um, there's also one called and jigsaw that's a little more potassium heavy. I definitely would recommend getting labs done to look at all of those electrolytes and minerals in your body. Because for me, I just did labs. And so I realized like, wow, I'm a little low on potassium. So I had to up my potassium. And when I make my mineral cocktail, you know, that's a, a buzzword nowadays, the adrenal cocktails, mineral cocktails. And so adding a little more magnesium into that, there's so many different ways that you can do that actually uh, just ingredients. It's a brand that I love. They're, you know, a lot of different protein powders and deodorants. They just came out with an electrolyte drink mix, um, very clean, no additive preservatives or food dyes or artificial sweeteners in it, but there's a little more potassium heavy. So I'm like, Oh, sign me up. Like, so I emailed them. They sent me a package to try, a pack to try, and I really like it. So you have to find a really good quality thing that doesn't have, you know, the artificial sweeteners and things like that in it. But that in itself can just like a scoop or two a day, if you're making a pre-made one, can really make some really big changes in our body. And again, I like easy stuff. If you're already drinking water, if you add a little bit of something in your water, then, you know, that's a lot easier than trying to really revamp your food choices as well. I've heard from some people say, well, I'm not, I'm not supposed to have salt. I need to take salt out. And I, there, there definitely is a difference between iodized salt and the mineral salt. And that was one thing that was contributing to my inflammation. So you know, I'd put regular table salt on things and in the morning I would wake up, my hands would be swollen. And again, you work it out throughout the day. And when I was, I got the recommendation that I needed mineral salt, I was like, you know, this is gonna, this is, I'm gonna have more inflammation. Like I'm putting all this salt in here. Like for sure, this is, I'm gonna wake mm-hmm. up swollen. And it was wild <laughs> mm-hmm. how that did not happen you know, that you're putting the right quality ingredients in 
is actually so nourishing for the body rather than, you know, I mean, the normal things that we do. So in my house, I've eliminated all of that. We do use the Redmond um, Real Salt for uh, cooking. I -hmm. do use um, Crucial 4 um, there. I think I have the Polar Salt Mm -hmm. right now that I use in my mineral drinks. But such a huge difference. If I go out to eat now, the next day, I probably wake up with swollen fingers, but any cooking that I do, and I put a lot of salt on there, no swelling at all. So, you know, yes, there, you need to listen to your body. You need to know what's good and not good for you, but know that there's a difference there. There truly is a difference between table salt versus Mm -hmm. the mineral salt and what it's going to be doing for your body. Absolutely. That quality is definitely important. And we eliminated all the table salt and, you know, that tends to become a, 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 oh, I I can't have salt. I usually send people resources, really good evidence-based resources. Typically my top one's Lily Nichols, just because I work with pregnancy postpartum clients and she has a wonderful resources on the myths of why people want to eliminate salt and, and really having good quality salt in our diet. Um, is important, especially even with little kids when we're, when we're feeding them table food, you know, she has a lot of good stuff on her website and in her books at talking about that. And so I usually just send people those resources and they're like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, but I always recommend working with a qualified functional provider to, you know, yes, listen to your body and you can try these little, you know, little things here and there, but working with the functional provider, getting labs done, if that's what's necessary, listening to the symptoms, and listening to your body is key. Always using the disclaimer too, like this isn't medical advice, you know, talk to your practitioner. But fortunately, there are more and more functional providers out there really just understanding, you know, these concepts. That's going to be important too. Working with a couple of people like, oh, I have high blood pressure or preeclampsia or my doctor said, no, no, no salt. And here you are telling me to do some mineral, you know, recommending some minerals. And, and I'm like, well, let's show your doctor this literature, you know, and talk with them. And if they're not willing to listen to you, well, you can fire them and find a new one. You know, working with that qualified mm-hmm. functional provider is, is so important. Sometimes those minerals can be so important for many, many people with a lot of different health conditions. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Trina, for being here. I greatly appreciate it. And if anyone wants to reach out to you or wants to look for your information, where can they find you? Our business is called Winning Edge Physical Therapy. So we have a website finally now. It's exciting. It's still kind of, you know, we put in finishing (laughs) touches, but it's winningedgetherapy.com. And then I have a Facebook account um, and it's just my name, uh, Trina Winner, and then Instagram account and it's drtrina.win and that you can follow me there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again. I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll be talking soon. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Thriving Dry Eye Podcast. For more information, you can check us out and follow us on Instagram at Thriving Dry Eye. If you like what you heard and want to continue hearing more, please leave a review. If you have a dry eye story to tell, please contact us through the website at thrivingdryeye.com.